<clears throat> Hello and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines. Special guest today, uh, Rebecca Langley, Newcastle United women's first team coach, and Lloyd Miller, Newcastle United women's assistant first team coach. Um, we're going to have a chat around coaching the female magpies today. Uh, thanks for coming uh, along, Becky and Lloyd. Um, first of all, um, obviously the the excitement of current days. Uh, how's it been around the around the team at the, at the moment? I think it's all such positive news. We're all so excited, um, really excited with kind of the takeover. There's a good buzz around Newcastle United Football Club and Newcastle as a city. It seems only positive for the women's team. Um, really encouraging signs. So. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted and looking forward to kicking on. Great, Becky. How did you? Uh, how did you become Newcastle United Women's head coach? Um, I'm originally from the northeast, um, but I moved away to university down in Loughborough, um, and I'd lived down there and in the Midlands in the Nottingham area for kind of seven years. So I'd just been coaching um, at university at Nottingham University as well as Loughborough, and coaching at the Boys Academy at Nottingham Forest. And then I just kind of was told through friends that this job at Newcastle and Northumbria kind of was, the position was opening up. And I thought, why not? I'd love to come back to the northeast. I'd been really grafting hard, um, kind of down in the Midlands, coaching every hour of the day, pretty much. So it was just a really good opportunity. And I'm so pleased that I came back, back to the northeast to work with people that live and breathe football. And ever since, it's just been such a great challenge and taking it week by week but loving every second of it fantastic yourself Lloyd yeah I think um you know it was an opportunity that came in-house with the Clash United Foundation um so it was a role that was put out to everyone internally and um it was something that allowed me to really get involved with something that I'd followed on social media and being away with my friends that were coaching back home here in England that had people have followed closely and seen the work of both Becky and Lisa had done creating this um, real professional environment for a team that wears the colours of the team that I support. Um, so applied internally and was fortunate to meet with both Becky and Lisa um, and a couple of weeks later I was on the grass coaching <laughs> with the women's team. So something that I've been really um, excited to get involved with since last season, albeit stop start. Um, but yeah, really, uh, really enjoyed being a part of Betty's team so far. Great. And how does that how does that work with the two of you then? You know, how how does it work? And there's a there's, there's sort of pairs out there on the grass. Yeah, I think it it, it needs efficient planning in my opinion. Um, so it needs a lot of chats on the phone, a lot of standing car parks after games as part of you know that review process. Um, but it it just needs. A real professional approach in terms of that preparation-wise, leave no stone unturned, whether it be for a match, but the two training sessions we get each week with the girls. Yeah, I think we've we've both worked really well together, as well as our um, team of support staff, and that's the one thing we've really prided ourselves in: working well as a group, having each other's back, and as Lloyd said, being re really professional with the planning. Um, we kind of probably overcook it in terms of how much planning we do for the week ahead whether that's performance analysis um, whether it's squad selections whether it's what practices we're designing together 
And when we're out on the grass, we kind of really make sure that we're giving the players our total energy so that Kirsty, our sports scientist, leads the warm-ups. Then it'll be the next part, 15, 20 minutes with myself or Lloyd um, and our sports intern, Tom, as long, alongside the goalkeeper, coach and, and physio who are there supporting as well. And a sports psychology intern that's there giving us little um, bits of advice throughout the session to make sure it's kind of ticking the boxes from you know, like a exciting and um, determined mentality point of view for the players as well. Um, but yeah, we really make sure that we're driving the standards throughout the sessions and both of us give max energy when we're at the sessions to make sure that the girls are getting optimal amounts of learning. Just, I was just going to say it, it's, it's making sure that between the two of you, you're getting as much detail out and information uh, to the girls as possible within that hour and a half, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a pair. Yeah. Not just as an individual. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that again goes back to the planning of interventions, but yeah. also the topics about um, giving the girls what they want and need in terms of being proactive and trying to work through, you know, areas of the game that we feel the team need to be able to be competent in, but also maybe it's reactive in terms of if there's something, a bit of a pattern that they need to be better at from Sunday matches, mm-hmm. maybe it's actually moving away from maybe it's planning something different and focusing on that instead I think what we do well is we we kind of sometimes we work as a whole group or sometimes I'll work in possession Lloyd will work with the out of possession team um, or we'll take small groups and do some unit work as well um, and players that don't play on the Sunday or have not played more than 45 minutes to 60 minutes will then do a top up with the sports science um, sports scientist as well so that will meet in the physical and tactical and obviously technical preparations for the match. Mm. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that chunks of the session, we've got the energy so that it's a different voice for the girls and that it just feels like we can give max energy for that hour and a half. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I think just to add on from that, I think um, it, going to the nth degree of the plan is about a bit like co-coaching. I know it's been mentioned on the previous podcasts. It does need that extra bit of time to think about Okay, if you're lead, how does my bit look? Yeah. Um, just going back to what you're saying about getting every bit out. Um, I think one of the best things we do as coaches as well is that we'll plan different parts of the session. We'll then go over them together as a group of support staff. And actually probably from COVID, having Zoom calls and um, your kind of online chats, we've actually got into the habit of sharing the session with each other before we go and deliver it and having that chat over Zoom so that we can see the session that we've planned. We usually plan it on like Academy Soccer Coach um, and just go through it online before we then deliver it. Um, so, yeah, the preparation side of it, it, it comes as no mistake why we've started the season so well. Um, and obviously the stats we're really proud of so far. That That's great. But, yeah, just that leads us into the next question. How's the season started for you? Yeah, it's really good. Um, the pre-season, we were unbeaten um, and we'd had a really good pre-season and I almost thought, have we made it tough enough for the players? Even though they played a couple of teams in the league above um, and had kind of drawn and won the games. So when we got into the season, again, we started so well. We wanted to make sure that momentum from the pre-season had carried on. Um, but again, we've done fantastic. We've scored, I think it's in the league alone, it's 21 goals and only conceded the three. So in terms of stats, minimising shots on target, minimising um, the amount of chances we give the opposition and, and taking pride in keeping clean sheets, I think it's been really important. 
But I think the toughest thing for us, we've still dropped four points. So we're trying to make sure how we kind of minimise um, the points we drop throughout the season and make sure we win every single game. Um, but I kind of think we're, we're joint second or something at the moment. Um, so with two games in hand, so we've started well. If we win those games, we'll go top. Great. Good stuff. Betty, just stepping back now then, how did you get involved and why did you get involved with coaching? Um, I'd always loved football, um, come from a football family and I'd loved playing. And I think it got to a point where it was like, I'm not going to make a career out of playing football. So how can I use my skills um, in coaching and managing to, to get the best out of the groups I'm working with and also make a career for myself out of full-time football? Um, so just always loved it. And I'd been doing it from such a young age throughout school, throughout college, throughout university. And I'd had some really strong, positive male and female role models. So I just got stuck into it. And I think my internship at Nottingham Forest Boys Academy really kind of like excited me and really made my love for football even greater because I was working with under 18 players um, and professional staff that were doing it day in, day out. Mm. And we always laugh. We can't wait till we get to the stage where we'll coach at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and not 10 p.m. at night. Mm. Um <laughs> And just have that luxury like it was at the Boys Academy where they've got that day of planning and it's every single day, Monday to Sunday. Um, whereas at the moment, obviously, we're trying to get the best out of the players on on scholarships at the university and obviously the, the two or three nights a week we get with them at Newcastle. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes from my passion and love for football and just wanting to make a difference to women's football as well. Great. Lloyd, what, did, what attracted you to the, to the, to the female game? I think looking from the outside in, I think getting an opportunity to work back within senior football was one. I think seeing the amount of effort and focus that has been given to fascinated women's over the last few seasons has been fantastic and trying to only add as a small part within that team of staff was certainly something that really whetted the appetite and made us think that would be a great, great environment to be a part of. Um, not only with the coaches but also learning little bits here and there from the other staff through hard work have been added into the to the team uh, whether it be from the psychologists that we have with Josh uh, S&C working with Kirsty who is a lecturer at Northumbria University that type of wraparound um, provides so many bits of informal learning where you know other opportunities coaching wise you probably not get because you might just be you like as a one man band which most coaching teams are I think we're really lucky as well. We'd probably both say that we'll work with a lot of exciting young players that have been coached at a good level, but also some of the senior players have played um, in kind of two or league, two leagues higher than what we're currently coaching. So for us as coaches, we learn so much from the players um, and their experiences. And obviously a lot of them have got uh, coaches themselves or they're in teaching professions. So the amount we can learn from the players and staff is is huge and that's on a weekly basis. Mm. Do you think at, at this moment in time, Betty, there's op the opportunities to develop as a female coach at, the, at this present time or better than they've ever been? Obviously, if you look at Claire working at, the, at Northumbria um, with the FA uh, to develop and support coaches in the, in, in the, the area, um Great opportunity, would you say? Definitely. I think it's a really exciting time for female coaches. The support is, is definitely out there and the funding is being pumped into to women's and girls' football. Um, 
yeah, like you say, obviously Claire Robinson working at, at Northumbria um, and at the FA and obviously my FA tutor, Robbie Pringle, as well, supporting me as a female coach. I think you can't praise them enough in terms of the support they give on and off the pitch. Yes, with the sessions, they obviously give tactical input and, and kind of give you kind of um, like things to work on and reflections from your delivery. But I think it's almost that little bit on a match day. Obviously, you're on a, such an emotional roller coaster um, with winning and losing weekly. I think that support they've given is is huge in terms of just keeping you level headed and not letting you get too high with the highs and too mm. low with the lows. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to get involved. Yes, yeah, good. Um, going back to Newcastle, um, Betty, what, what's your coaching philosophy? And uh, are you seeing this? within the team's performances this season? Definitely. I think my coaching philosophy is centred around four main values. Um, having a positive attitude, being together, being committed and being hardworking. And the players live and breathe those four values. Yes, they're up on a wall and a big flag everywhere we go, whether that's home or away. But I think it's making those those values come to life and their behaviours on a weekly basis kind of do that. And we would like to think that our coaching behaviours live and breathe those values as well so I think the biggest thing is having each other's back as I said with the togetherness um, but having that real kind of push in to make sure that every ounce of passion and determination is in every session and every match day so that we feel like we've got no stone unturned um, but yeah I think it, it definitely shows in the players and how they're performing and you know we're really proud of how, they're, how they've done so far this season and how much they're developing as players and people and have you seen that from the girls? The girls have bought into your coaching style since you've since you've come to the club, uh, and Definitely. they're beginning. That's developing and gaining the trust over time. Would you say? Yeah, I think definitely over time. I think it would be very naive to think as soon as you come, they just buy into it straight away. It has taken time to build that trust um, in relationships with the players, but I think they're also tuned in now to the standards that we're driving. Um, and they're really kind of bought into the coaching and the wraparound support services. The other night, it was absolutely chucking it down at Newcastle Academy, and you're looking at other clubs who've called their sessions off or other clubs that have only had five, six players, and we've got 22 players and five staff out there in the pouring rain um, just driving the standards and everything we're doing. So I think another big thing is having such a strong leadership group as well. So you've got the likes of Brute Cochrane, Grace Donnelly, Beth Guy um, and and a few other players who are constantly driving those standards mm. within the group and living and breathing my messages as a coach. So I feel like they know all the players know that I've got their back and that my, their best interests are at heart. Um, but I think the players also have my back and that they're driving the standards and policing that changing mm. room for me. Um, so, yeah, I can't fault the girls at all. From your point of view, Lloyd? Yeah, no, I think um, the, the the squad's got so many leaders now. I think, you know, when we look at the start of the season, I think um, when I was trying to meet the girls, like, well, certainly the new cohort of players this year that we've got from uh, other clubs and, and they're quite young as well. I think ultimately it's around like that strap line for me of players only care what you know when they know that you care. And I think it maybe also links into the values Becky mentioned. So... Rather than you know trying to correct things and improve whatever it may be in a player's game, it's about connecting with them and mm -hmm. trying to find stuff that 
they like chatting about, even if they've came straight from work and the, the head's like, you know, thinking about other things. It's just about trying to, you know, be a sounding board if you need it. Um, or just being there and maybe just talk about something different than what they've been doing that day. But trying to just build that rapport with them is key. And there's, there's never too much time that you can give to that, I think. When you've done that, I think, from my experience, you get more out of them. They're engaged. You see it in the body language when you try and coach them, whether it be a group intervention or a flyby, pulling them to one side. I think the better engagement from giving that little bit of extra time as a coach to the player or players, you get you maximise, I think, your, your coaching. Yeah. yeah. And I think they probably think we're quite fair with them, that we have good relationships with them. We obviously care about their development and them as people, but... At the same time, they know we're not just going to tell them what they want to hear and that we'll correct them, we'll drive the standards if they need to, um, need to be drived. But I think the best thing is, I think we're all on the same wavelength, that we all want the same outcome. Yeah. We know that it's going to take hard work and consistency to get there, but we've all we've got the same focus and every single week we're just chipping away at it um, and taking it one game and one session at a time. But I think just the whole kind of effort and energy to every match day is something that, we're, again, we're really proud of and we just need to keep building on. Yeah, definitely. And I think the players have really supported what we've done, but there's, there's certainly been like frustrations along the way that are just common with, you know, setting high standards mm -hmm. and having little bits of failure, if you want to use that as a word, or dips in performances mm -hmm. or results. In yeah. our case, it is very much performance and results yeah. driven. Um, and I think the players know that if certain players don't meet those standards or staff don't meet those standards, then they just need removing from the environment is probably the best way of putting it. And we're not afraid to do that. Mm. We want the right people mm. involved um, and the right expectations. And to be honest, the players drive that anyway. And they'll give other players reminders if they're not pulling their mm. weight. But overall, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really strong environment. But as Lloyd says, that's not come overnight. It's yeah. come with a lot of mistakes and challenging each other and learning from defeats mainly was where mm. you do your most learning mm. from um and probably just to jump on that i think one of the things that i probably felt most comfortable within this group is being an open honest as coaches like if we want to like debrief a session we're probably not every session because it's probably not necessary but also be open and honest to get feedback from the girls but also maybe it's dictated by saying you know what girls probably don't need to tell us i might just do that for a bit shorter or make that change with mm -hmm. a particular session practice, mm -hmm. um, that again, like as long as you, it's it's you know minimal. I think goes a long way because it shows that the, to the players that you're actually human mm -hmm. and you you know you're quite open and honest yeah. without it being um, yeah. too too much. And, and they'll tell you if they don't, yeah. <laughs> they don't like right. it. So I think <laughs> I'll see the way till the end of the session. Normally it's ten minutes. Yeah, in. <laughs> and I think you know, but we want them to. Like we don't want them to pretend it's a good session if it's not. But I think we're first to look at ourselves and mm -hmm. criticize ourselves if we don't think it mm. is. And like we say, we have so many conversations in the car park afterwards. What could we have done better? What preparation um, was was the best to get the best outcome? Yeah, we felt like when we played Liverpool Feds, there was a lot of focus on the opposition, and we'd done so much kind of preparation around how they were going to play, mm. which maybe put too much pressure on the players in terms of instead of just focusing on us. Yeah. Whereas I think kind of the other week when we played Durham and Sestria, the whole focus was on us. The atmosphere on that Thursday session was really lively. 
people were happy there was like a good mixture of kind of humor and excitement around the game but also focus on how we were going to prepare for it so I think again some of the player feedback around that was really useful and helps with our preparation um but yeah it's interesting from how you've both commented there around it being player-centred. I think that's vitally important as, as, as modern coaches now that we, we make our sessions in that environment as player, player-centred as, as possible. Which brings sort of nicely onto the, onto the next question, Betty. Um, how, how have you set goals for the girls this season and, and can I ask what they what they were set out at the start of the season? Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll obviously have goals in terms of where we'd like to finish the season and we have that big outcome, hairy goal, which is to win the league, but I think we've had a lot of criticism from the outside in terms of, God, you're brave saying that like people, every game's now a cup final if you say you want to win a league Um but we're quite comfortable with that being the outcome goal because we feel like we've got an environment that supports that and we're quite bold with that and you know there won't be anybody who'll feel more devastated if we don't achieve that that outcome goal. But I think it's good that the girls have perspective that we're pushing and that's the aims and that's where we want to drive the standards to. Um, but obviously, you know, we're not as naive to go, that's the goal and hopefully every week we'll win. It's a lot of preparation, a lot of small goals to get there. So one of the things I've done is look at when Barnsley were top of our league a few seasons ago, how many goals did they score to get in that position? How many goals did they concede? How many clean sheets did they concede? What were their greatest strengths and why? Speaking to their previous coaches as to how they got them in that position and we've set targets from that. Currently those targets, we are almost halfway to achieving those targets already with only um, a small chunk of games already being played. So there's been measurable targets from a kind of mm. a defensive and attacking point of view. The girls also have their own kind of attacking group, WhatsApp group and defending WhatsApp group and they're, they're putting little clips in there and they're setting their own targets. But I think it is just, you know, we've we've got targeted where we'd like to be by Chris, to be by Christmas. Um, but again, it is very much just one game at a time. Mm. Can't look too far. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we'll look at three game blocks. So what do the next three games look like? How can we um, achieve the best outcome from those three games? But each week is just one game at a time focus, mm-hmm. um, which is which is tough because you've got to think ahead as well. Um, but yeah. I'll, so I was just going to say, my next question would be, what, realistically, how high do you think you can climb or how high do you want to climb this part of the pyramid? Oh, I think our ambitions are definitely we want to push to get into tier three. And I think once we're in that league, we know we can compete with teams in that league. Yeah. The league we're currently in is actually really hard to get out of. Only one team gets promoted mm-hmm. um, and the league is full of like your older, more experienced players. So it's then quite tough because they've, <laughs> they've been around the leagues, they've been around the block a few times, so they know how to make it tough for you to to kind of lose games um, and I think one of the the biggest things is consistency but in that tier three league you've probably got stronger squads but younger players and actually we, we compete well against those teams in that league so I think that's where we deserve to be after the last three years of hard work um, and then from then onwards obviously we want to retain our status in that league we want to build from there but Again, obviously, when we're in that league, we then we need financial investment to then mm. go into the championship and then push push on. But without a doubt, the best talent 
in the UK comes from northeast women's football, um, with a handful of of even Newcastle born and bred players that are in the England Lionesses team, and we should be honing that talent and keeping it in the northeast with a a women's super league team at Newcastle. So. I think we've just got to keep pushing and doing what we're doing first and then hope that investment comes mm. to, to really drive us into that level as well. Yeah, fantastic. I wish you all the best with that, uh, Becky. Um, going back to training, um, do, you, do you feel you have enough time on the training pitch with your players to develop them over the course of the season? And with, with it being t- twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday night, and what does that look like on a weekly basis for the two of you? Um, I think, you know, we'd always like to have more time with them on the grass at the academy. Um, I think two sessions right now is probably adequate because three quarters of the squad play university football as well. So they're in on a Monday night and Thursday um, afternoon with me at the university. I'm playing a Bucks Wednesday fixture. So they're getting enough football, I guess, for the players that have either graduated or are working. Two night, two sessions, they probably could do with another top up, which they take, they do independently away from here um, but at the same time I think we've got to recognise where the players are at in terms of they've got full-time careers as well so mm. it would probably be too demanding if we mm. were looking to do three or four nights a week mm. um, from a physical yeah. perspective mm. fatigue perspective and financial perspective for the mm. players um, and we appreciate it don't we you know yeah. we do remind the players that we do really value their commitment because you know the two sessions aren't just on the pitch on a Tuesday, Thursday. We'll add on bits before, so Tuesdays typically with strength and conditioning coach that we're fortunate to have. And then Thursday, mm. training's normally preceded by performance analysis. So yeah. we try and squeeze every bit out of them without, you know, yeah. overdoing it because we recognise that they are mm. part-time. They do have full-time jobs elsewhere. but And we, and we really have to work hard to periodise the sessions, so... With a Tuesday session being a match day plus two, it's all also a match day minus one for your college and university players. So it needs to be lighter for some players, but then it also needs to be heavy for the players that are not playing on a Bucks Wednesday. Um, typically, a Thursday session will be more endurance-led, so working over bigger distances. Um, Tuesday, more kind of strength-heavy and smaller-sized area pitches, which we obviously have to incorporate in our planning. Um, but yeah, I think your Thursday is probably a bit more of your match prep as well, because obviously that's your last session before you go into a Sunday. Um, but yeah, I think both sessions are normally really good, really lively, um, and just trying to get the best out of the mm-hmm. players to build into the match day. Yeah, you touched on the, the talent uh, in the northeast, Betty, um, in the female game and girls that have gone on to who are now representing. Um, England, Lionesses. Um, how do you recruit your players? And where, where do they come from? Uh, and I suppose the challenge around having Sunderland and Durham in, in your in your area with, with player recruitment? Yeah. It's really competitive, the recruitment. I think Sunderland, obviously, having an RTC programme means they get first pick of some of the younger players coming through. Um Myself having a good relationship with Mel Ray and Steph Libby at Sunderland's really helped this season in that because they got championship status. Some of the young kids coming out of Sunderland RTC were very talented players and if they'd stayed in Tier 3 would have went straight into their squad. But because they went up a league, 
they kind of worked with us and helped push the girls towards Newcastle actually um and we've got some very talented 16 year olds who've come and joined um at Newcastle so from a recruitment perspective there it might be kind of rivals in terms of your men's football it, it still is with your women's football but I think they're really kind of looking out for other mm-hmm. female coaches and they've really helped recruit some great players across from Sunderland um Northumbria University has been a massive recruitment tool. So players that have played for me um, on a Wednesday have come across and signed. So a few seasons ago, we had Georgia, we had um, Rachel, Katie Barker, um, Shana, a few others come and sign from Sunderland after their experience with the university. But also, I think just... I think success just, on the yeah, pitch as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think word of mouth is obviously, you know in the men's football like up here in the northeast, by the time a player finishes he potentially has played for at least three or four teams so like the girls all know players in both Sunderland and Durham so and Middlesbrough like so it's when players are chatting with each other whether it be ex-student mates or whatever when we're doing when we're getting success both at training and on the you know on a Sunday it's just ch- chipping away at players that maybe Aren't unsure, well, maybe yeah. are unsure if that's the correct team for them, and then you know, they might drop into a session. And then I think that's also been for me what like being a part of the team has been another really good opportunity yeah. to recruit players. I think it's building good relationships and having that respect for clubs in our area as well. I mean, we've recently just had Lauren Robson sign for Middlesbrough, Rachel Lee Shorty <laughs> to us. Um, a sign from Durham, obviously two leagues higher. She's played over 80 times um, for Durham Women's First Team. So we must be doing something right and creating an environment where players want to come and play at Newcastle, whether that's because you know we, we train at some fantastic facilities at the club. Um, they can see the ambitions and the kind of aims that we, we want to get to. Yeah. Um, and I think they just want to be tr- treated with respect and and turn up to good sessions. So I think that's testimony to you too as well for the environment that you're creating within the club uh, on training and match days. That the, the quality of players that want to want to come play for you as well, isn't it? It's tough as well because then some players we may have to have difficult conversations with mm-hmm. because of that growing kind of growing pains. Almost some players can obviously strive and and. and you know, hit the other end of the, the team. But then for some players, it might be that. It may be that a different team might be the best fit for them. Mm. Betty, we we'll continue to see the numbers um, for women's and girls' game increase. Uh, are you seeing this with your links at Northumbria uh, in the grassroots game? Definitely. Um, I think the more kind of young girls that are coming on board and getting involved in grassroots football... It's probably coming from the role models that they're seeing in the senior game, whether that be your England Lionesses on the TV or, or getting themselves to local matches. I think having those positive female role models um, at Newcastle United Women is probably attracting girls to get involved in club football. I think one thing we do brilliantly on a match day is we provide a match day experience for a young club that'll come in. They'll have a training session at Drew Park. Um, there'll be mascots, they'll come get the girls' autographs, they'll have chicken nuggets and chips after. <laughs> um, and they come and watch the game with their parents and that's exposing probably 20 girls to their first experience of football. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely the, the numbers are growing at university. Mm-hmm. We've got um, four teams now at the University for Women's Football 
two teams for futsal as well. So the programme for participation is massively growing mm. as well. Mm. Um, so we want our elite teams, but we also want teams where people who've never played football can just join in and just play. Absolutely. Right, this one's for you. You know, the, the challenge, I think, is, you know, we, we want to create uh, more and better female coaches um, within the game. Are you seeing this at the level that you're playing, you know, the girls are playing at the moment with who you're coming up against? Yeah, I think so. I think um, from coaching within the local community, it's, it's, it's visible that there's more, you know, female coaches working with more female teams. Just say it from when you're sharing, say it the same facility and stuff. Yeah. Um, working at within Clash United Women's, I think it's been really refreshing seeing so many female coaches at all levels. Mm -hmm. So through obviously having a good relationship with Becky, being able to chat with coaches that she knows a lot better than yeah. me, um, it's, it's not only helped me learn as a coach, but also just build a, build a network where... Maybe previously before the Class Eight Women's had it was it was a lot smaller. Mm. Um, yeah, it's fantastic to see that, isn't it? Mm. Within the game in general, yeah. the female game. I think in our league, there's probably still a lack of female coaches. Right. Um, predominantly, we will see males on the sideline. However, probably mm. our toughest task so far was Liverpool Feds, who had a very good female coach. Actually, yeah. it was tactically very switched on and made it very very tough for us playing in a three four three system. Um, but, yeah, there's still probably a lack at our level of female coaches in our league. Mm -hmm. um, but, as we always say, there's got to be the right opportunities, but there's also got to be the right people. And mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. we still need to be developing female coaches out there so that they're ready for this level and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, Betty, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Um, I'd love to still be in the North East. I'd love to be with Newcastle United women, with Newcastle United women at tier three minimum um, and I think that's definitely achievable with the players that we've currently got with the staff we've currently got but also with that drive from the club and the new mm. investors I think mm. that could really kind of propel us into being in the championship and pushing to get into the WSL in four, five to ten years time um, so I, I don't want to move out the area I love it here I love being in the northeast. that's where I'm passionate Um I've just bought a house in Newcastle, so I don't want to be going anywhere <laughs> soon. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd love to be here. But, again, I'd love to be keep keeping building on the work I've done on the international scene as well. Um, they're currently working with the English Universities team and want to keep pushing with that as well and, get, and getting some North East girls in that squad as well. Yeah, you come over very ambitious. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's obviously that hopefully opportunities for you to, to come and push on Oh, in the next definitely. few years, you know. Definitely, and I think like it's well, we both are. We're both so ambitious, and we'd like to stay as a, a group of staff team and really push on as well. But I think it's easy giving it the chat about how ambitious we are. But I mean, for people that are listening that don't know us, like it is a lot of hard work daily, from the second we wake up to the second we go to bed. Like the amount of effort and energy and hard work that goes into it is we can't put into words so it's not a mistake where we are so far mm. and we want to keep pushing but we're not settling for where we are we want to keep going yourself Lloyd yeah agreed I think um, it's only the start of a journey right now mm. and it, it doesn't happen overnight so I think next three to five years certainly working alongside Becky trying to see how far we can take this team 
I think um, so far it's it's been fantastic, both selfishly for my course development, but also being a part of a, a successful team that um, keeps trying to exceed expectations and built the process goals was set in terms of trying to get closer to the outcome goal. Um, but yeah, no, loving it. I think being from Newcastle, being a Newcastle United fan, and, and, you know, being a coach at Newcastle United Women's is, you know, a fantastic opportunity that I think just has that extra edge being a Newcastle United fan. And when I started coaching at 17, um, I would have bit your hand off to think that I could be working for the club, working with the senior team with the women's. I think one of the most exciting things probably also is like, like everyone always has that cliche, don't they? If you, if you, lo- if you love your job, it doesn't feel like a job. Um but just like that feeling on a match day, like you cannot buy the feeling of it. Like yeah. the excitement on the way there, like in a way trip, we're all staff at the front of the bus, like we're all so excited for the game, we're all preparing. There's that buzz on the bus with the girls as well. Um, and there's that, obviously there's those nerves about how the fixture's going to go, but there's that real drive and determination to get the outcome. And nothing feels as exciting or as high when you win a game. Um, yeah, getting them three points or progressing to the next round of the cup. Yeah. Um, it's exciting pressure. Yeah. It's- you know, and we're fortunate that supporters do turn out at Druid Park and um, would love to keep building more and more fans coming to home games. But you also feel like you've got pressure from them because you don't want to let them down. Yeah. So it's not just and staff it's, it's the pressure now that we're getting that exposure on the social media. Yeah. So the club are working closely with us weekly to, to promote our scores and build our fan base as well and it's great to see you know our match reports on the the men's website and on the men's uh, twitter and facebook feeds um which also brings its own pressure because you know <laughs> that millions of people are going to see our score now so if it's not the right outcome then you feel even more pressure but i think if we just reflect back on two games we've had especially the away trips isn't it where we went to fc united of manchester for the first game we're playing on their men's pitch with a stand and it's exciting in the stadium. Um, you get three points and the bus journey home flies by because <laughs> it's three hours and everyone's so excited. And then you go to Liverpool Feds and you lose 1-0 from a free kick. And then... It's like the bus <laughs> no is one, in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> no one speaks, everyone's so miserable. And like, I didn't sleep probably for two days because yeah. I was so frustrated. Um, so I think... Yeah, it's the highs and lows that are exciting, but that's that's almost the enjoyment of it, and that's why we love football as fans, mm. never mind as coaches. So, I think the women's team is definitely definitely in good hands with the right good people involved. Um, that's players and staff, so we just need to keep driving it, mm. um, and hopefully we're kind of earning our own luck with some results as well. Brilliant, Becky Lloyd. Thank you very much for sharing your journey. Uh, your story uh, with us today uh, and I wish you every luck for the for the rest of the season. You both hope it's a successful one. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Gary. Cheers, Gary.